Welcome to the Highway Freaks. We interview musical artists, people in the news, truckers, songwriters, 80s rock bands, or anyone we meet on the road. I'm Bry Guy, your road dog host. And now, J-Man, the Snarl, Motorhead Mark, Wing It Will, Canadian Lady Trucker Janet, and the Pink Bombshell. This is the Highway Freaks. Real truckers, real bike. Yes, we are Highway Freaks. Real truckers, real life. I'm Bry Guy, your road dog host, and introducing my all-new road crew. From Karameos, British Columbia, Canada, J-Man, the Snarl. From Nanaimo, British Columbia, Canada, on Vancouver Island, Motorhead Mark. We also have Aaron, excitable Aaron, I might add, from the place that makes sense, Swift Current, Saskatchewan. Our <laughs> producer from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. It's Power, pow, it's Power Path. That's what we're calling him. And I would be remiss to tell you that we have a regular, guys, GM Blacktop, our recording artist, truck driver, operator, owner-operator. He is also here tonight. So he's going to be a regular of ours from now on. So, guys, what are we going to talk about tonight? Excitable Aaron, what do you got going on tonight? All right. Well, tonight I'm going to talk about this uh, cool thing called the Cigarro Cacti in um, the Serona Desert in Arizona. The Cigarro so Cacti. My... Yeah, those okay. huge cacti that are just like yeah. ginormous. Yeah. Like they're lo- the largest in the U.S. Them. Yeah. Yeah, we I took have a little beside them. We took a little yeah, trip down are, there last year. They are awesome, for sure. Um, yeah. GM, what's on your mind tonight? Well, I got a I got a two part topic tonight. The first part is uh, strange, strange things that have happened in music uh, that are that are worth noting, and the second part of that is strange things that have happened with humanity, and I think I know why. Okay. All right. And Motorhead Mark. What do you want to talk about tonight? I sidetracked a little bit today. I had something else in mind, but uh, we've all of us have kind of sort of talked about experiences. So I'm going to talk about my experience earlier this year in Mexico. Very good. Okay. And you're probably wondering what's on Bry Guy's mind tonight. The twisted mind of Bry Guy. Um, well, we're going to, we're going to go back to 1980 when, uh, you know, things like hot knifing was a thing and dr- doing some drugs and having a few brewskis, too many. So we're going to talk about some stories. I'm going to ask each and every one of you a little bit about that. Uh, did you have a drug-related story or a booze-related story back then? Um, I've got three of them. Um, one involves a, uh, how do I put this? An infidelity on radio when I was a radio announcer. Uh, another one was being chased by the county Mounties with uh, the song Fist, Thunder and Rock playing, I might add. And we'll get to our, our house band in a minute. And uh, not but least, uh, hot knives in the kitchen. So that's uh, going to be a comical topic for uh for some good fodder. So anyway, let's start it all off. This is visit number 46. And speaking of Fist, they will be at the Brass Monkey in Ottawa. There we go. So let's start it off 
with Motorhead Mark. Hey, everybody. So at the end of December, just after Christmas, um, my then girlfriend and I were invited to go down and visit some friends of ours in Mexico. And we both had the time, we both had the availability. Uh, we decided to go and do this. Uh, we got down there and while I was there, I had some dental work done, had it planned long ahead of time. And you just can't get uh, dental work done up here. I had uh, four crowns and uh, three implants. And that would have cost me over 20 grand here. And it was way, 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 way cheaper than that. So that was my big um, purpose for going. And and my then girlfriend, she just wanted to be in Mazatlan, which is where we were. My friends lived just outside of town. So we're having a wonderful time. The weather obviously is amazing. We get to do a little bit of sightseeing. And... Um, you start to understand that a lot of stuff goes by the wayside. When you're traveling down the little highways and byways down there, you start to see that it really is a third world area unless you're right downtown. Um, dirt streets, dirt walls, houses with branches for roofs. Um, I saw one um, area where there was a overpass, a pedestrian overpass, and the highway and there was an archway and inside the archway somebody had decided to open up a tire business there right in the side of the highway off the shoulder in the dirt guy had set up a couple of tarps he put up a couple of two by fours and uh managed to get a generator and a compressor and he busted tires on the side of the road underneath this archway and and that's that was his life that was his whole existence was doing it where he was um, we drove by, uh, a penitentiary on the way into town a few times. And there's this little white house, um, out front of this penitentiary. And my, my friend says, that's where a certain cartel member has, his people bought that house, tunneled under the prison from that house. And it was right out front. You think they would have figured why is somebody building a house right out in front of the jail? And they extracted um, the kingpin for the Guzman um, cartel. They brought him out. They got him out of out of the jail. Eventually, he was caught again and recaptured and put back in prison. But it, it's a crazy story that you know you, you could literally pinpoint this guy's cell and manage to take him out of the prison. It, it, it was a phenomenal story, and it's it's. On the internet, if people decide they want to go and have a look, and it's a really great read. It, it's fascinating. Um, we were a couple of days away from coming home, and it was my last trip to go and see the dentist. I'd already gone in for some of the prep work and uh, had some stuff to go and not a lot left, and we were going to go in that morning and... Um, come back out and then go do some body surfing at this beautiful beach. So we all got up, 
we uh, we had some breakfast. We were going to take our time in the morning. It was it was a beautiful morning, and we put our feet in the pool in the backyard for a few minutes before we left, and then it was time to go. And uh, we went through the little village that my friends live on, live in, and we came out to the highway right by this, like I say, this archway where Buddy had his tire shop, and we started driving the high, down the highway towards Mazatlan. And out of nowhere, we see something down about a mile down the road. Something happened. All of a sudden, there was smoke. Couldn't really see because, you know, trying to focus your eyes on something a mile down the road is not that easy. And it was black smoke, and it was instant. And we got a little further, and there was a guy at the next overpass standing outside of his car with a semi-automatic rifle. And he was pointing at people, don't come down here. Do not come down here. So we're like, what the hell? And I looked over and I started taking pictures. I said, those trucks have been blown up. Like there's two tractor trailers that had smashed into each other and they were blocking both the hammer lane and the slow lane and the pedestrian walking area and the shoulder. It was a complete planned situation and the smoke was billowing out of these trucks. The flames were coming out of these trucks. And my friends that we were staying with said, holy crap, we got to get off this highway. So we took a sharp right, went through some dirt, got up onto the on-ramp to the overpass. We slowed down. I took some amazing pictures. And we came over the overpass down the ramp, and there was another set of trucks blown up. And there was a man on a motorcycle with another semi-automatic rifle or an automatic rifle. It was an assault rifle. And he's pointing at us because down that road is the airport. So they're blocking off access to Mazatlan. They're blocking off access to the airport. It's like, holy crap, this area is under attack. What the hell? So we took the next off-ramp and we take that off-ramp and it's blocked. So we have to go over some dirt. Thank goodness they had an SUV. Went over some dirt at the end of the off-ramp back onto the highway and back to their home. We get home, we get in the house, and he, my friend has a Mexican phone for when he's down there, and he has his Canadian phone. And his Mexican cell phone was blowing up. Absolutely just message after message after message after message. And he excused himself, and he says, I got to go and check this out. And I thought, well, that was a little strange. So he comes out, he's holding his phone. It's it's still going off, but not as frequent. And he says, so everybody, um, this is from a connection of mine downtown in Mazatlan. And he has let my friend know that um, this kingpin, Guzman, one of his younger sons had been given up for his location because it's a cartel and they run a lot of drugs and they had found him just outside of Mazatlan and the U S government and the Mexican government plotted together after they got this information and they went in and they attacked this house that he was in and they captured him. The Zacateca cartel does not like the Guzman cartel. And the Guzmans were not part of this. They were, they were kind of bystanders. They weren't creating a problem. But the other 
cartel found out where he was and they want to take over the uh, Tijuana area and south down to Mazatlan and further down the Mexican um, sea line. So they gave up his location. They went in and captured this guy and then all hell broke loose. There were airplanes being shot at. Um, There were uh, hotels that were being shot at and people were being um, forced in back inside. There were cabs that were being shot at in downtown Mazatlan. One of them was two blocks from my dentist's office. There were trucks blown up all over the Mazatlan and surrounding areas up and down the coastline. And my girlfriend was losing her mind. Like she was absolutely terrified that this was happening. We're in the middle of it. How do we go home? Because we're supposed to leave for the next day to come home. And the airport was closed that day. The airport was closed the next day. And um, they rerouted all of our flights in to where we were going. And, and it was basically as soon as the airport opens up, all the flights will be rebooked. So my friend's phone goes off a little bit more. And um, his contact said, don't do anything. Don't call anybody. Stay home. And absolutely uh, was emphatic that this was the, it was a cartel battle between these two cartels. And uh, so that, that was, that was going to be our plan. We're just going to stay home. Uh, I don't know how I'm going to get my, the last bit of my dental work done because I've already paid for it. And, uh, but because the airport was closed the next day, all of a sudden we get reports, Hey, town's open. Come on in. If you need to get some things done from his contact downtown is like, Holy crap. My girlfriend stayed home. I went with my buddy and she said we were crazy. Absolutely nuts for going in town. After all that happened, we get onto the highway, we pass the tire shop and there's those two trucks they are still on the side of the highway, but they're not on fire anymore. And it's just like nothing happened. And my buddy looks at me and he goes, down here, it could be a homeless guy sitting on the street. and You don't know what's lying behind him. He could have a uh, um, an assault rifle in the bushes, and he might work for the cartel. It could be that businessman that's in you know on the 10th floor of that high-rise over there. It could be this guy over here who has the little restaurant. You just don't know. So when stuff happens, you listen to what the locals tell you, and, and follow those instructions carefully. So I said, okay, well, well, we'll just be mindful. And we went to my dentist, got the last bit of my work done. We wandered around town for a little while, like nothing had happened. And I thought, oh, like there's remnants of all kinds of stuff. There's crashed cars on the sidewalks. There's windows shot out in buildings. And everybody's just kind of wandering around like nothing happened. Oh, this is just like everyday thing. It happens, you know, every second Thursday. And I, I mean, when I was in the army and I served, you expect stuff like that. You get trained for stuff like that. But when you're on a holiday down in Mexico in Mazatlan, that's the last thing you think of. It's the last thing you expect. Anyways, uh, everything got back to normal. We we finished our trip. The airline got a hold of us and said we'll be leaving the next day. And then all of a sudden, my phone starts blowing up. Every news agent that I could possibly think of was contacting me, wanting an interview. 
somebody, one of my friends or family, whom I only contacted a couple of people while I was down there to let them know I was okay. Um, they let other people know in local news areas in Victoria, Check 6 News got a hold of me, uh, the Q100 got a hold of me, uh, CBC got a hold of me, um, uh, a couple other radio stations uh, reached out, and all of a sudden I'm doing interview after interview after interview trying to express what had happened and that more people are okay than people think, that the news was getting some of it wrong, it wasn't this big battle. Yep, some stuff happened, absolutely. Yes, it was tense for 24 hours, and that's it. Not for three weeks like they were saying that it was going to be a ripple effect and these cartels are going to be battling each other and so on and so forth. It was a it was a momentary thing. It happened in the morning. It was over the next morning. End of story. But um, it, it, to me, it was in, interesting. It was intriguing. It was a little bit tense. And it was an experience that I will absolutely never forget. Ever in the wildest dreams would I ever figure that would happen. So I'd go back to Mazatlan in a heartbeat. It's funny you uh, mentioned this, Mark, because I was sitting in San Diego right in front of the Great Wall, the two walls. uh, And you could take a look at my Facebook. You'll see all the pictures. And I was just, I mean, here's the, here, here we are in San Diego and the other side is Tijuana. And I was just kind of looking through the fence and just seeing some interesting things on the other side. And uh, it wasn't nothing like anything like you experienced at all, but it just looked like a real poverty area. And it was crazy. Like I've, I couldn't believe the size of this fence for one. And I'm thinking, how do they shimmy up that thing and then get down it? <laughs> I like, it's they, they're acrobats, man. They are. There's no way on God's green earth. I could ever have gotten up there. And the only thing I could think of, please don't drop my phone. Don't drop my phone. Don't drop my phone over the other side of the fence. <laughs> I was so bizarrely worried about it. Yeah. So uh, it's kind of interesting, but yeah, no, I just, I was literally like, I'm literally unloading and there's the fence right in front of me, this long, yep. long, long fence. And there's Mexico. Like, it's just crazy. Yep. So yeah, no, I could totally relate to that. That's, but that's one heck of a vacation, eh, guys? I mean, anybody uh, anybody got anything to add to that? Well, I, I think that it's – I'm just amazed that people from, from Canada would feel that that's a good place to have a vacation home. Why does that amaze you? Well, in Canada, it's, we're, we're so, you know, that's not happening anywhere, and it, probably in their whole life. And then to you know have themselves be put into that scenario that could be brutally dangerous is just uh, it's just strange. Like I lived in the third world country before too, but I never experienced anything like that. I don't think I would have stayed if that was going on. I get it. I totally understand. I mean, it's not for everybody. Um, I've never been to Mexico except Tijuana a few times, and. Uh, uh, my girlfriend and I decided that our friends have a house down there that they stay in for four or five months out of the year, and it was a good temperature uh, time of year. So we thought, well, it's a free place to stay. We just have to come up with some airfare. So not everybody can go down and visit places like that and, and do it on the cheap. And unfortunately, it was one of those times where something happened. But, yeah. you know, it's it, it's not a frequent thing that happens down there for sure. And just to got to add to that, 
about the dentist. Um, and you don't have to tell me about facts and figures, Mark, but is it like considerably cheaper to do it there than it is in Canada? Well, yeah, it is. I got three implants and four crowns because I had a broken tooth. And each implant here is $5,000, and then your crown's on top of that. And it, like I said, it would have cost me well over $20,000, and it cost me less than four. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Huh. Good for so, you, if you can do it. And I'm very, you know, I'm very, very happy with the work. Very happy with what the, the new teeth that I have. That is good. That's good, because I know I'm getting some dental work done here soon myself. And... Uh, uh yeah yeah that's that stuff's pricey absolutely you better have a good benefit plan or go to mexico and get shot at <laughs> oh wow all right well that's my story <laughs> excellent that's really good that's excellent okay so um wow that was uh definitely not what i expected to hear your trip in mexico so God, we heard one from a gal here that was on our podcast a few ago, and it was like all party and pajamas and the whole works. It was pretty, well, pretty, pretty bizarre. Anyway, let's uh, let's take a break and let's play the title track of this new album. It's called Alive on Highway Freaks. By September and early October 
Excitable Erin coming up next, and she's going to talk about the saguaro cactus. Now, I've seen these things. I've stood beside them. My dog almost hit a couple of them. The needles are super long. Um, you want to tell us a little more about it, Erin? Yeah, so I became pretty interested in these suckers when we uh, took a trip down through to Arizona last year and uh, my husband was nice enough to take the, the detour route so that I could see more stuff because as you all know as you drive down the highway it's well, the shortest distance that you usually take but sometimes we take a long route <laughs> um, but we went through the Sonoran Desert in Arizona last year and I just seen these big cacti and I was just absolutely amazed with the sheer size of them and uh, so as we drove through, uh, I just started doing some research and 
every time I see something or on the internet, I tell my husband, guess what? They do this. Um, but yeah, they were blooming when we went through, which is also the state flower of Arizona, by the way. Uh, so yeah, that's, this is the start of my little fact sheet for these amazing plants. Um, so they're exclusively, not exclusively found in the Sonoran Desert. There are also some small spots in other places in Arizona and Mexico. And also a few stray plants are found in Southeast California. Uh, the size of these cacti can grow up to 60 feet tall. And those that are 60 feet are usually between 150 years old and 200 years old, which is just crazy. And when they're 10 years old, they're only about like an inch and a half off the ground. So if you think about that, like they grow maybe an inch, inch and a half a year up until they're about 30 years old. Then they start to grow arms and grow larger at a more uh, frequent rate, depending on like, you know, the uh, precipitation they've had that year. And yeah, their root system is crazy. It's, they're only like four to five inches below the surface, which you think for those big plants, how is that even possible? Uh, but they've got one little root that goes down two feet that keeps them upright in the winds and in the rainy seasons which is to me that's neat that they just have one root that holds them pretty much straight um their little other root system that are just below the surface uh they can collect up to 200 gallons of water in a rainfall and you can actually watch these guys swell and there's a big rain can actually watch them grow wider and collect the water which I thought that's pretty cool um, and in a whole season they can store up to a thousand gallons of water to keep them hydrated through those droughts through those droughts um, another little info is the spines on the cactus are uh, herb uh, First and foremost, <laughs> they're for uh, defense, and also they're for shade. They're like a like a leaf on a plant. That's kind of what they do uh, for those for the cacti. They are they provide shade and they protect from the horrible so desert sun heat, and they also help reduce water evaporation. Kind of neat. Also. The indigenous people, when way back when, would use them as canteens. Like if you cut them, like their arms can be used as canteens. And uh, they also had lots of, of medicinal purposes. They used them for rheumatoid arthritis, uh, preventing cardiovascular disease because they're super high in vitamin C and vitamin B12. Um, this, the flesh of the saguaro is red, which is sweet and sweet in flavor. And the oldest saguaro known died in 1992 
and it was approximately 300 years old, and it had 52 arms on it. And that's my little blurb on the Kulsabwaro cactus. Wow. That is quite an education on, on uh, the cacti. Anybody uh, got any questions for Aaron on that? Nope. See, it was a boring subject. Told you. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Oh, I, I thought I thought it was interesting. So um, I thought it was I'll put my two cents on that. Okay. J-Man, the snarl, what did you think? I thought it was interesting. Did you learn something? I'm always learning something, man. Okay. Okay. Now I'm gonna go, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep learning stuff and sooner or later I'm gonna forget my name because it's gonna get pushed out. <laughs> oh, okay. Right. <laughs> Speaking of forgetting your name, um, I got a great topic here. Back in the nineteen eighties, we uh we did um well, we did things like magic mushrooms, we did pot, and we did hash and hash oil. That was pretty much the drugs of choice back then. I mean, yeah, there was the old cocaine at different uh, parties you went to, but for the most part, those are what you did. And you, you know, you also did hot knifing. Now, does anybody know what hot knifing is? I have no, no idea. What you tell us? Could you please tell us? Okay. I think it's when you. It's when you throw a couple of knives in the in the oven when you're roasting your roast beef, and then you get you touch it by mistake. <laughs> no, GM, I think you're a little off on that. Okay, uh -oh. what hot knifing consists of? You take two butter knives, okay? They had to be butter knives because they were the flattest, and you put them on the old coil. Remember the old coil on top of the stove? You put those knives in there, okay? And then if you wanted to make your pot go farther then you would use, you know, the marijuana in the bag, or you would use oil, or you'd use hash. And then what you do is you would get a pot bottle, you'd cut the bottom of the pot bottle out, and two individuals would stand by with uh, the knives for you, and basically they would have them so hot, and then you'd put the uh, the drug of choice onto the, the end of the knife, put it over by the, the gen individual who was going to put his mouth over the pop bottle, inhale, and you would get this massive puff of smoke that would you'd inhale right through. It was kind of like uh, volcano fire in your throat, okay? And you'd cock, you, you'd half, you, you'd <laughs> you'd hack and you'd cough. Yeah, okay. And, um, geez, that was a fupa. And... <laughs> For sure. I don't know where that one came from. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but anyway, so you'd hack and cough, and then you'd, you'd, you know, you'd go to the next guy and, and so on. And um, you'd get really stoned really fast, right? And you'd do funny things. Like I had a buddy that he literally, after he did, uh, you know, a hit, they called it, he it was so intense that he literally fell forward right into the hot coil, and uh, had to explain to his mom and dad that night how he had this big, huge burn mark on his face that looked like a coil. So, um, so yeah, that was uh, pretty comical. Anybody do any of that back in 1980? GM, Mark, Aaron, Jay? I thought, 
I thought we were the ones that were the most creative because we used to do we used to do grasshoppers in a bomb. What's that? Well, just find a grasshopper and light her up and then smoke it like a bong in a bong. Because we couldn't <laughs> a grasshopper? We, really? would no. we, would just stick, we would just stick anything we could find in the damn bowl of the bong and smoke it because we couldn't afford pot. <laughs> oh, oh, no. I hear banjos. I probably, yeah, I probably, I probably smoked, I probably smoked some shit that I would be ashamed of if I knew, you know, it's terrible. I probably smoked most shit, minor, yeah, it's crazy stuff. Wow, smoking grasshoppers, wow. Yeah, the, the, you know, the grasshoppers, you know, there, some of them are half dead and alive, and anyway, you, you just, you know, put, kill it, and then you put it in the bowl, and then you just, you know, put some leaves in there or some grass in there and write it up. Write it up. We didn't. Oh have, we couldn't God. afford weed. We didn't have any money for weed. The, the bongs that we made were, were made out of suave shampoo bottles, for God's sake. So okay. So um, in in regards to our continuing inebriation and drug talk, um, I can remember uh, my buddy and I. We played caps. Now, does anybody know what caps is? There's two versions of caps, by the way. Chime along I here. Even, I don't even know what a, what you're talking about. It's wow. a drinking game. Yeah, exactly. All you do is you have about two 12 ounce glasses on the floor. Okay, uh, you you sit right in front of those glasses. Okay, with your you know your the glasses right in between your knees. Okay, or legs rather, and uh, the other guy just flicks the cap of the beer bottle, okay, that you've just opened into the opposing uh, person's glass. Now, if he gets it in there, you have to chug a lug, okay? If he misses, then, you know, the other guy continues. I used to lose. I used to always lose. I, I sucked at the game. Um, now, the other version of caps is a little more difficult and a little more actually skilled. You actually pop uh, you know, you, you you crack open a beer, you put the cap on top of the, the neck of the beer, the beer bottle, okay? And then you flick the other cap at the opposing player and you try to hit that cap off that neck. So it's much more skilled. So there's two versions of caps. Whether, I don't know if you played that one version, Mark, or the other version. But you got drunk very fast, extremely fast. Like, you could be chugging and lug probably five beers within 15 minutes. Okay, and then you were just completely wasted, which I tend to be this particular evening. So we decided, my buddy Dave and I, we decided that we'd go for a drive. Um, being a farm lad, he uh, he knew how to uh, basically get around the county mounties because they were always patrolling at night at that time. So we went out really when it was kind of dark, and he says, hey, got this new great band. I said, really? He says, yeah, yeah, and, and he goes, uh, he used to always call me a some bitch. So he goes, you crazy some bitch, you got to listen to this. So uh, I said, okay. He says, it's Fist. I said, who the heck are Fist? And they said, oh, this is awesome, Ben, right? And so we start playing Thunder and Rock, true story. And, um, you know, we peel out of there in his, his uh, blue Chevy pickup. It was like, uh, back then, I think it was like a 1976 Chevy pickup, uh, two-door. And uh, he had done it up to the nuts underneath the hood and... Uh, you know, had the 354 barrel, that sort of thing. And, you know, we start flying down the road and, uh, you know, we got the song just playing, Crease got it cranked up on the old Pioneer. 
thunder and rock, thunder and rock, and I'm just, you know, just roar it, just rock it to it. All of a sudden, we've got the county mounties behind us, and they got their lights on. And uh, he goes, oh, don't, don't worry about this. Don't worry about this, Wade. I said, okay. He said, I'll take care of it. So he knew the roads so well, so well. Like, he knew every one of those roads. So he starts speeding up. And I was like, Dave, Dave, are we going to slow down? No, 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 no. We're not going to get caught. So we got the song just, just a blaring. And he's just blowing dust right behind the county mountain. It's just because they were really dry roads. So he's just a flying. And he goes, what's this? And then he turns out the lights, right? Completely turns out the lights. I'm like, ah, right? Like, we're going to crash, right? You know? And uh, no, he didn't. He, he stayed on the road. I don't know how the hell he did it. And to this day, I still don't know. And he goes, watch this. And he spins the truck around. We go flying to somebody's driveway. There's a bunch of hay bales. He turns around, spins it. And we just literally are right behind the hay bale now. And I just, we hear the sirens going by. And he's just laughing. Oh, you crazy son bitch. You thought we were going to get killed. <laughs> yeah. So that was my first experience uh, with playing caps. And uh, it was uh, terrifying at the time. But then it got really funny because he, he decided to take me home that night because I couldn't drive. So, uh, and, you know, this was in the middle of uh, just, just the beginning of winter just when it was going to start snowing. And he goes to this uh, variety store. And he goes in there, i got to go get some smokes. I said, yeah, get me a pack too. So I'm, I'm in the door, I'm, I'm just kind of hanging on the door. And he pulls up, he had pulled up beside this massive, massive, massive mud puddle. Like it was like a lake. And uh, I uh, leaned against the door and I just fell out of sight, out, out the door and right down in the puddle, right? And it was a deep, deep puddle. So anyway, he, he comes back. This is the story. I don't remember it, but he tells me about it. He comes back from the store, and uh, there I am. I'm in the mud puddle, and I'm blowing bu bubbles, like blowing bubbles, like, look at this, blowing bubbles. And like just completely wasted out of my trees. <laughs> he gets me back in the truck. I'm soaked, just soaked completely. And uh, we get back to my uh, house. And uh, my mom did not get along with him at the time. And, and uh, anyway, so he drives me up the driveway. He grabs me outside. And uh, he's got a he's got uh, one of the broomstick handles uh, beside our door. And uh, he goes here. Just put your your arm underneath there. He props me up. So my mom opens the door, and I literally fall into her. Oh, my God. It was so, so... After that, she didn't like Dave too much. Yeah, but... Uh, yeah, so that was my experience playing Caps. Anybody got a drunk story? J-Man? Maybe you could tell? Yeah, I knew you'd come to me. Yes, obviously. Okay, well, I can't go back to 87 because I just don't even remember. I, huh? Are you afraid of that year? Like, is it scary? Yet? To be really quite honest with you, I don't even remember 87. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway... We're gonna me and Deb. Okay, I had my Pete back then. Now I used to binge drink. Now when I was working, 
I wouldn't touch the stuff. Now, I don't know if you guys remember, they came out with these. It was during the playoffs. And they came out with these things called Bubba Kegs. And they all had Dawn Cherry on them. Like they were mini kegs of beer. Well, me and Deb used to, I came in off the highway and I was off for two weeks. So that's all I did was drink. That's all we did was drink and cause chaos. Well, one night, I'm just, I think I'm on my fourth little keg and I'm just shit faced. And I decide that, you know, it'd be a really good idea to build a fire. I should also tell you that, I should also tell you that I'm 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 babysitting. Okay. I'm looking after my my cousins. And uh they're just they're not little, but they're they're like ten, eleven, twelve. And anyway, uh I don't know where the hell they are, but uh Deb's cooking up a storm. Um and I'm building this fire. Well, I swear, by the time I was done, you could see this thing from space. And it was just huge. Well, anyway, I start, I can, I can hardly stand up. I can't see. And I hear this sound, and it's getting windy. And Deb comes out of the house, and she's like, she's yelling something at me. And I look up, and it's forestry in their freaking helicopter hovering above me <laughs> so what does jay do starts whipping beer bottles at it <laughs> yeah i spent the night in the clink for that one yeah they came and hauled me away fire department came put my glorious fire out um, yep so and it was in peachland too I think they were really upset because it was probably there was probably a fire ban on at the time. <laughs> so, but I mean that was back in the back when I used to drink. I don't I don't drink anymore. And you had to explain to the parents of the kids why their kids got picked up by Children's Aid. Nope, by my uh, girlfriend. Well, Deb, I was I was with me and Deb were married for that, but uh, no, she took off. She was smart. She just. In the car, gone. So I was the only one there when the when the cops came. So <laughs> of course I was I just basically they hauled me off, threw me in the tank, left me there till morning. See, I knew you weren't gonna disappoint me. You know I knew that. Oh, we've done some pretty pretty haywire shit. Uh the demolition the demolition derby. That we had one day. Demolition Derby. Do share. Go ahead, Jay. What happened is we had, um, my dad was working for this towing company. So I was, he would bring cars home. They're junk. They're just these junk cars. So we're all drinking and we were always messing around with these cars so uh one, one night we uh got really plastered and decided let's have a demolition derby in the yard so we did uh what my dad failed to tell me is 
one of the cars that was uh, being stored was my dad's boss's project car. And we just totaled that bloody thing. I mean, it, it, so, it was, it, I loved it. I think back about it. I laugh my ass off. But at the time, it, it, it wasn't too cool. Um, I mean, there was nothing they could really do because none of them were insured, right? But uh, any it, any more it, drunk stories from anybody? No, I'm I'm not getting into any more. <laughs> okay. I'm just gonna keep those those quiet. Aaron, do you have any? I said uh, I was born in '85, so in the '80s, probably the only drug interaction I had was I was uh, had an allergic reaction to penicillin. <laughs> so. Oh my. God, <laughs> that's about as crazy as the '80s kid for me. <laughs> okay, well, GM, you know we know you smoked grasshoppers. Um, okay, well, I guess that includes me again for one more drunk story, and this is kind of a classic. Uh, when I was in radio, um, I I did something that kind of made me a god at high school, and before before I, like I was in grade eleven. And I was kind of going through the motions. I was doing radio on the weekends. Um, make a long story short, I ended up getting really drunk uh, one night at a bush party. And someone, I think, had laced a cigarette with cocaine. I, uh, this is this is what I was led to believe. And I decided I was going to fill in for a radio announcer that was sick that evening. I said, ah, I'll go fill in for him. So I got a ride down to the radio station. And, uh, you know, I uh, got in there and I thought, oh, geez, I got to sober up. This isn't this isn't good. So, you know, uh, and back then it was quite comical that if you played Freebird, or Stairway to Heaven, then usually the, the DJ was getting some action from usually a, a groupie or a girlfriend or what have you, right? So I tell you that because I'll tell you why I tell you that in a minute. So anyway, um, this gal shows up and uh, we had been dating uh, on and off and, and she brought this um, enormous case of beer. She goes, oh, look, I got 24 beer, and and uh, let's see who can drink them the fastest. And we had an interesting bet. So, of course, I wasn't going to, you know, when I'm challenged, I, I usually rise to the challenge. I was like, ah, I'll take that bet. Now, back then, the control board was just a series of switches and dials. That's all it was. And the switches were very flimsy at best. So you had to be very careful when you flicked on a switch, that switch stayed on, right? So, because they, they weren't, it wasn't the best of equipment back then. So, make a long story short, I decided to chug along a bunch of beers during uh, sets that I was doing. And uh, this gal did the same thing, okay? And uh, I uh, won the bet, but I was extremely, extremely inebriated. So, anyway, she said, well, you know, you won the bet, so I got to pay up. You know where this is going. And um, so, you know, she proceeded to do a Bill Clinton on me. And I uh, clicked on the mic while it was happening. Oh, and playing Freebird at the time, 
four o'clock in the morning, you would think nobody would ever have heard this. You know, everybody's sleeping in good old little Woodstock. Well, that wasn't the case. That was definitely not the case. And everybody heard about my sexual tryst on the radio that night in full detail. So I went back the next morning to the school because I mean, it was you know, following Monday. And um, I can remember guys going, Wade, we're not worthy. And they're literally just right in front of me. And they're literally bending down. Oh, my God, what you did. Like, they were just so I became very popular in high school after that. Extremely popular. OK, not for what you would think. But all of a sudden, uh, my dating life seemed to increase after that because a lot of them wanted to experience the uh, the waiter's radio show. Let's put it that way. So that's my story. And, um, well, I'm sticking to that for sure. <laughs> you know what? I'm not saying, I'm not saying nothing. <laughs> Not dude, touching it. Dude. No, no. Mm-mm. I got way too many stories that are similar. I'm keeping my ass shut down. There you go. Power Pav, do you want to put anything on your two cents on that? Hello, Pav. Yeah, I'm still here. I'm just saying that I don't think I have something similar because the time when I was at high school side, it was totally different, you know? In India, okay. you can't do things like that, okay? If you... If you did a little bit like that, they're going to kick you ass really bad. Really, really bad. <laughs> Seriously, I'm saying. So I was one of those right. uh, good kids, you know, who just finish the school on time, go home on time, and don't want to leave home. You know? so, oh, yeah. so, so you never so you never, never got drunk? No drunk stories, eh? Never. So, yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, speaking of school. We got a break here with Fist and Get Out of My Playground.
one. That was Fist with Get Out of My Playground, awesome band. Uh, just letting everybody know that they're playing. Okay, I guess my topic is up, and I've got a two-part topic tonight because they're not very big subjects, either one of them. But um, the first one is strange situations that I found happen. You know, being a songwriter and a musician, uh, I've always taken an interest in things that are uh, a little different in, in, in different subjects, and music being one of them as well. Things that I, I think have happened in music that I thought were were very strange and in some cases even changed the world. And I know that sounds crazy to say, but I believe it's true. The first one is uh, with Freddie Mercury, for example. He was um, the lead, lead singer for Queen, of course. And he was as queer as a $3 bill. And this is going back to the 70s and 80s where queer wasn't cool. You know, nowadays, you know, people identify with whatever they want or, you know, guys, and they're all doing strange things with this whole LGBTQTYZ, ABCDE, whatever the hell it is. Uh, but back in those days, it wasn't like that at all. And what was interesting about that is guys like Elton John and whatnot, they were gay also, but they and my, George Michael and all those guys. And but the problem is they kept all their their homosexuality secret and had to because that was the way the world rolled. But 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 Freddie Mercury was as as I said, as I said was as queer as a three dollar bill. The band is called Queen. He was wearing leotards on stage. He was wearing all sorts of feminine feminine clothes, acting feminine, blah 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 blah. And his attitude was, I'm gay and queer and everything else, and you guys are going to love me. And he was right. Everybody gave Freddie Mercury a pass on the fact that he was gay, strange, all of it. And um, I found that to be an amazing thing that happened in music because nobody else really got that pass. Because nobody else was as blatant as he was. And the music was so good and it was so rocky and so this and that and melodic. And he was such a great entertainer that the, the world literally, even hard rockers, even men, males that were hard rockers, were giving him a pass and saying, we love him. We love him anyway, even though he's that kind of a way. And I think that that was a massive, uh, a massive world changing situation that Freddie Mercury had on uh, as far as an impact on the world. Well, hang on. Hang on. There's Elton John. They gave him a pass. He never said he right. was gay. But For years, well, we, we know he was. Ooh. Yeah, but not like Freddie. Freddie would go up on stage in leotards, for God's sakes. True. Very true. Freddie right. was, was, openly, was openly gay, where everybody else was in the closet. Even Elton, it took him many years to come out. And even George Michael okay. and all the other guys. None of them came out of the closet because it was going to ruin their career. But Freddie Mercury right. was, Freddie Mercury was like, "I'm as gay as a three-dollar bill, and y'all are going to love me." And he was right. Everybody, True. even the hard rock fans, gave him a pass and said, "We don't care what you are. You're just awesome." And and that that is a that is a phenomenon that that has never been repeated by anybody. <laughs> you know what I mean? That was a the big thing. That you gotta remember, this was in the seventies and the eighties. Back then, you don't people weren't coming out like you know, David Bowie or David Bowie. You know, there was question about him being gay and all this, but he wasn't an openly gay man. 
Freddie Mercury, Mercury was open, like I said, he wore leotards and ballet slippers on stage. And even hard rock men were like, you rock, man. Like, think about it. Nobody else ever achieved that. Nobody. Ever. Not in those days. A lot to do so, with his flamboyance. Absolutely. But nobody else, they weren't giving anybody else a pass like they were him. I mean, he, he oh. rocked the he rocked the world and sort of said to everybody, this is who I am. I'm as gay and I'm as strange as you can imagine, but you're going to love me. And, and he was right. And, and who, who was making fun of him back then? Nobody, because everybody thought he was amazing. And that, no, no other artist has, has accomplished that kind of a world-changing, like, as far as leading the world into a direction, he led the world into a direction. How many people after him came out all strange? People like Bowie, people like John, they all went out of the closet. As Adam Ant, all these performers came out, the, the Culture Club, you know, Boy George. Freddie Mercury opened the door to the world accepting difference in people. And I think that that was a, a huge phenomenon in music. Uh, and, and if anyone want to comment on that? Okay. No. Okay. So the next guy that I no, think no, no. I was gonna, I was gonna comment on it. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, no, I do, agree, I do agree with you. Um, he did, he did break uh, those barriers. Now, twenty-eight years old or twenty-seven, whatever he was, Jimi Hendrix overdoses on drugs, and the black community stop listening to rock music. That's a phenomenon. Because after that, they all went to funk and disco and all that stuff. But at the time, the most rockinest man on earth was Jimi Hendrix, who was a black man. And when he died, the black community stopped listening to rock music. Would anybody disagree with me? I'm not sure. I have to go back to my history books, but it, it does sound vaguely familiar. So um, I guess I would probably tend to agree with you. How about you, Jay? Yeah, I'd you, have uh... to agree. I would have to agree with that. Okay. I mean, even the greats, even the great, like, uh, um, Eric Clapton and Jimmy Page, and you know, like, they just bowed down to this guy. They loved right. him. You know. And then when he died, the black community yep. stopped the rock can... music. And to this day, they don't listen to rock music much. No, not really. <laughs> you know, it really changed the it changed music from a, on a world level. Uh, they they it's almost like they turned their back on rock and roll and went into the funk because at that time, there you know funk was starting to come around, but it wasn't wasn't the uh, uh, you know as popular as it was in the as the 80s as, like in this when 68 when when Hendrix was around and the other thing that I found was interesting uh, as my number three situation was all of us that were alive then can remember this night it was at the MTV Awards we were all sitting around the TV because everybody wanted to watch Michael Jackson and all of a sudden Michael Jackson singing Billy Jean and anybody that was alive then, or a teenager then, can remember this night. And all of a sudden, he does this moonwalk that's no that nobody has ever seen before. And the world lost its end. The world went nuts. Remember that? 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> but it, and I, but I it, thought was, it was it was when he it kissed was Lisa Marie Presley. That's what I thought it was. Because no, the world went uh, nuts on that one too. No, but it I mean was, as far uh, as music, think about how much how much he created in the world of dance and even music, but specific, specifically in dance. When he did that moonwalk, every person that was listening to groove and funk and doing dancing at the time, they were just hooked on wanting to do a dance like him. He changed the world from a choreographic oh, yeah. perspective. Choreography. Yeah, but he didn't invent yeah. that. He didn't invent the. Well, he invented the moonwalk, but it was done before him. I agree with you. It was done through that shuffling and that shuffle dance uh, type stuff, even in the 50s and 60s. But nobody really looked at it as, especially the white people, they didn't see it as anything special. But when he did it, the world lost its mind. And it's like, oh my God. I mean, Michael was a, like, uh, a perfectionist too. I mean, he was in very, very, uh, had to have everything right. That was because of his dad. Yeah, he was but I mean, he still his, maintained his, that. His, oh yeah, well, he, it was beat into him. You yes, know, so I mean, he, yeah. he, he adopted that, and you know, he would, you know, accept nothing but what he considered best. I mean, I mean, I'll give the guy that. Like, I was never a, a fan of the guy, but man, I could watch that guy boogie. Man, yeah, I was that guy always dance. a fan of Michael. I you just know, find him to be uh, fascinating. Yeah, he is fascinating. He is fascinating. I think that uh, he always appeared to me as the kind of guy that was just lost in himself. Like he, he really didn't even know really where he belonged. Like he was how many how many facelifts did he have? He, every time he did a face look, the facelift he uh, would look more and more like Diana Ross. He idolized <laughs> Diana Ross. He he was an amazing actor in The Wiz. I mean, and Ben, the one about the mouse. Like, the guy was an amazing, amazing uh, human being, and uh, he had his downfalls, or his faults, we all do, but uh, he just seemed to me to be really kind of lost and not sure how to fit into the world. I agree with There's, what you're saying there, I, I got sure. to agree with you. I got to agree with you. Well, you know, the, the whole family. Like, I remember the Jacks. Uh, the next one. I mean, then Eminem comes along and yep. then all of a sudden black people are listening to Eminem and then the yes. rap movement goes right crazy from there on you know yeah. you got your run DMC yeah. when uh, you know Steven Tyler gets involved with that that was yes you, you remember I remember that, that? I remember that you know, I remember that walk this way right yeah. and so then rap crosses over into rock Right. Well, I mean, and I, what gets a lot me of it's crap today, but some of it back then was quite interesting. And if you think about it, and you go back, and the, the first rapper was a woman. Yeah, what Debbie, was her name? Huh? Be Harry. Oh, Deborah Harry. Yeah, yeah. Blondie. Oh, Deborah Harry. Rapture. Blondie. Yeah, she yeah, was the, the song first. Rapture. She was yeah. She was the first rapper. I, you I, know. Agree with that. I don't I agree with that, but I don't think that, that was I don't think that was world changing. Like I, I could even say that Eminem was world changing to a point because he was the first white guy to, to really be a rapper. And Vanilla, Vanilla Ice was doing some shit, but but even rappers of today 
they compare him, they, they say some, a lot of them will say, nobody compares to Eminem, He's, there's nobody better. And for them to say that of a white guy in the rap community, that's that's a phenomenon that we've never seen before. So I agree with what you're saying about Deborah Harry, but I think that yep. guys like Michael Jackson and Eminem oh. were the oh, they, that they changed the world. Completely. You know, you know we got it. We you know who we got to give credit to though, um, the guy that's talking right now. Uh, I used to listen to uh, trucker songs by people like Red Sovine and C.W. Oh, yeah. McCall, and GM has kind of transpired that those trucking songs into kind of truck and rock songs. If you've listened to his album lately, and I have. I mean, his stuff kind of crosses over into the rock country genre, and like, full kudos to you. I like the, what what you're doing, GM. So, um, you know, you're you're the next guy I think that uh, is, you know, taking those trucking songs and kind of beefing them up to the year 2000. I, I think. Thank you for that. I mean, certainly that's just a small, very small, very small part of the business, but uh, of what I do. But anyway, the. Uh, Thank you for that. But uh, yeah, that's exactly what I'm trying to do. I used to love listening to, you know, Give Me 40 Acres and some of the Johnny Cash. I used to tell my band all the time, we want that train beat. We want that train beat. Uh, so a lot of my songs kind of have that train beat. And it's it's designed to, for what I do with it is I have always looked at it as I take poetry and I just put motion to it uh, like a highway or a truck or a train or whatever. And that's what takes that old 70s and 60s music and, you know, throw, throw Helix into the mix. Because a, uh, a couple of the guitar, the songs I have are Chris Jelke from Helix and, and Daryl Gray from Helix. And some of the guys uh, that I worked with are kind of rocky. So you, you just kind of, I don't know, I just took that same story that Johnny Cash had, my, maybe minus the Folsom Prison. Uh, take take that same story and just like you said, uh, I just just add add it to the new a new era of music, you know. Right, and you were going to talk about some strange names in the music business. You wanted to talk about. Well, I mean that was something that I thought you were I thought you were going to do that. I thought that whoever's going to do the Engelbert topic was going to touch on that. What I wanted, the other thing I mentioned about wanting to talk about just quickly was, I think I know what the problem with with some of the the depravity of humanity is, and it's it's I've started thinking about this recently, and after watching shows like Game of Thrones and uh, Gladiator and just all these medieval shows, it made me realize that one of the reasons people had such crazy and brutal torture techniques i uh, crazy ideas of you know putting honey on their slaves so that the flies all stick to them not the king that kind of thing was because back in those days and it didn't matter what country you were in royal blood was royal blood and they didn't want commoner blood mixed into royal blood so if you really think about what happened the entire world was shaped on inbred idiots that were all inbred running the bloody world and it's no wonder that they did such crazy things because they were king whether you liked it or not and they were inbred and we already know that most inbred people are not normal 
So if the entire world was shaped on inbred people, and it seems like every country was thinking that way, is it any wonder that the world has gone through some crazy, crazy things? I'd like to hear, you know, everybody's comment on that. Do you think I got something there, or is it, nah? To me, there's something serious there as to why the world is so strange these days. How many times do you watch Deliverance? (laughs) Deliverance. That's that's Deliverance. That's just a bunch of hillbillies. I'm talking about people who, who killed thousands of people's there are people in wars and torture and building, building, uh, you know, pyramids and 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 uh, and palaces. Like people who ran the world were all inbred. I think I'm not going to touch that. Anybody else want to? I didn't get on this. <laughs> no, that's a, it's the second part of my topic. But but okay. You know no, well, no, I'm just I'm just kind of wondering. But I get I get what you're getting at. Like, and it happened by default because that was the way they thought back then that you had to have pure royal blood. So it happened by default that most of the leaders of the world that shaped the world were inbred. That's just my opinion. And I wondered if anybody's got any comment well, on it. Well, going back in, in history, uh yeah, the, back in the days of the of royalty, yeah, they were all marrying their cousins and their their you know sisters, brothers. Parents? You know, it was like a little like, bit of cousin uh, love in the Aaron. Well, <laughs> I, I can't remember the I can't remember the I can't remember the king's name, but King Philip, I think, in in France was so disfigured from yeah. inbreeding yes like but and, and i don't you know, i don't bring it up i don't bring it up as a weird kind of a sexual thing i bring it up as these people shaped the world yeah, yes they did they shaped the world these these idiots shaped the world <laughs> And then you wonder why they come up with the weirdest tortures that you can imagine. You know, skinning people alive and all this crazy shit. It's because all the leaders were f***ing whack. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, some of that medieval stuff was pretty wild. That's that's, that's my whole point of the topic. It's kind of like... There's no wonder. They're all whack. So anyway, I'll, that's that's it for me. I'm not, I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sleep. <laughs> I'm curious to know what I'm gonna uh, have, Pav is, I'm gonna have I gotta I gotta hear in Pav's head. input on this. I gotta hear Pav. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm just shocked to hear what's going on, you know. <laughs> Bro, I'm a kid who grown up watching Cinderella and stuff, and you're just talking totally different thing. I know all the ideas are like messed up in my head, you know. I can't I can't watch all those movies anymore. Thanks to your GM. <laughs> even in, I'm sure it was the same in India. Every country was that way, Pav. Even India, India, China, oh. Mongolia, they were all the same. Britain, everything, they were all the same. They all wanted royal blood. So even the leaders from India were whacked. Isn't it was like they used to go to the other kingdoms and get married? Or no. I'm watching too much TV shows right now. 
No, they were, they had to keep their they wanted to keep their family lineage alive in order to keep that royal blood because they thought that they were superior and it wouldn't matter if it was India or China or England or France they all thought the same way the, uh, what's his name Genghis Khan apparently he had I don't know how many relations with his own kids they were having kids from him and stuff because they wanted to keep that lineage wow it's too much for me as well seriously it's too much but that that who shaped the world yeah that's why the world right yeah <laughs> yeah agreed absolutely man we're all descendants of that <laughs> yeah we're, we're, when you come right down to it everybody's family tree takes a sharp <laughs> takes a sharp straight straight up in the air it doesn't fork anymore and then we wonder why we're a screwed up world <laughs> yeah. oh well, man
we're back. So, um, wow, a lot of interesting things tonight uh, we're hearing on uh, visit number 46 of Highway Freaks. And uh, speaking of, we have an anniversary, guys. This has been one year today that uh, Highway Freaks has been on your podcast channels. Uh, if you're downloading on Spotify or RSS.com, and uh, we are going to be out there in more and more different mediums uh, in the future. So, you know, uh, they said that uh, we wouldn't get past the first 10, right, Jay? And um, we certainly did. Uh, our quality's gotten better. Our topics have gotten more interesting and intriguing. And uh, we've got uh, some uh, some gals now that, uh, you know, we count on that are actually uh, truck drivers. That says Aaron. So... Uh, congratulations to all of us, uh, and uh, hopefully we will continue for years to come. I'm sure we will. So we got some pylon shoutouts. That's the, of course, the last thing we do before we got one more song from Fist uh, to k- take us out. So who wants to start with a pylon shoutout? Uh, I'll go first. Go ahead. So I have a red one for. Uh, actually, you know what? I just gonna just give one, which is black, which will go to the Alberta's registry. I went there; they gave me the wrong license, and when I went there to correct it, they kind of blame me why I didn't tell them in the first time. So yeah, it was all a messed up story. I was supposed to get class five full. They gave me the learner's fund for some reason. I don't know because I moved from BC. But yeah, after everything is fixed and I'm back on track, I can drive right now. Thank God. Yeah, only the black one. Everything else is just normal for me. Okay. How about you, Excitable Aaron? Well, I have uh, a blue uh, pylon shout-out for my husband as per usual because, I mean, he lets me come with him and it's, you know, a wonderful life now that I get to be with him all the time. Um, a pink one for my mom and a black one. I'm just going to always do Trudeau, so there you go. All right, that was a nice one. Yeah, <laughs> I, I see what he I see what he did today. He tried to switch the tables by making it sound so good that he's going to decrease the grocery prices and increase housing. Yeah, I was uh, I heard his lies today. How about you, Jay? <laughs> you got a pylon shout out? Yeah, actually, I do. Hey, uh, it's the pink ones, the girl, right? Red. Red's the girl, okay? I got to give a shout-out to my kid, uh, Caitlin. Uh, she's what gotten she bullied. Get? She was been getting bullied at school by these boys. And instead of doing what I would do, she said no, and she uh, actually went and talked to an adult and talked to an adult. She went and talked to uh, the principal, and the principal's going to do something about it. I had to just yeah. beat the living guy to take it a bat to him. Left it at that, but apparently we can't do that in this day and age anymore. So, right. But yeah, good for her. She's 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 growing up. She's u- using her using her bean instead of uh, you know being. A, she's standing up for herself, and you gotta. I really tip my hat to her. Good. Good to hear. So, well, 
I've got a red pylon for the lady that uh, I was unloading today. I, I can't say the name of the company where I was at. She knows who she is. I told her I was going to give her one today because she was so patient with me. Um, we, when you have an inbound load, I don't know if you guys know this or not. You have to what it, you have to have what is called an arrival of the bond. And it has to be an email that goes to the receiver. If they don't receive that, then you cannot break the seal of that inbound load because it's going straight to a truck, uh, you know, that's going to Mexico. So she was very patient with me. I mean, uh, we were going through a lot of stuff uh, through the company I worked for, which was absolutely asininely ridiculous. And um, she was very patient. There was truck drivers honking their horns. They wanted to get in. They wanted to get delivered. The Mexican guy, he was ready to leave. It was just chaos to the utmost degree. And through it all, she was very calm, very cool, very collected. Just said, you know, call your dispatch back. Here's the another email. Here's an alternate email. And about two and a half hours later, we finally got it solved. Uh, everybody else was pissed off. But full kudos to that gal. She knows who she is. So I got to give her a very, very good red pylon. Okay. Um, as far as the black pylon goes, well, Bandit goes through truck stops all the time and never has an issue. But this one woman last night had this insane power struggle with the fact that he was a dog and wouldn't let me go into the bathroom to take my dog. And so I pulled the, he's a service dog routine. And then she shut her trap and I was able to uh, do my business. And then I could take him to do his business. So a black pylon shout out to her. So there we go. So there's our pylons. Uh, this was an awesome visit of 46, uh, looking forward to 47. Oh, JM's got one. Okay, go ahead, buddy. Sorry about that. Am I am I allowed to have pylons? Sure. Oh, I thought maybe because my topic was was kind of bad that you you took the pylons away from me or something. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> we don't take pylons away I, from I, our road. Crew. I think kings don't give pylons. That's why you know royal blood. That's why you're not allowed. I was, to I was just saying, you know, you, when you had trouble with your dog, whenever. What lately I've been identifying as a small Vietnamese man just because people are treating me better now. So you might want to try something like that too, you know, just, just identify as something different. Even those bullies, you know, nowadays instead of beating them with a bat, you have to identify them as uh, they're just bullies and we respect you for that, you know. It's crazy. Anyway, the black, <laughs> the red the red pylon goes to our, our new little puppy named uh, Dixie, who's a cute little showly uh, puppy. She's cute as heck. And um, uh, the 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 blue pylon, I'm going to give that one to Brian just because he's he tried to get me to do the Engelbert Hubbardink thing, and that's not happening. So, I, but I but I wanted you to know I respect you anyway. And, we uh, will we will be doing a future topic on Engelbert Humperdinck by yours truly. So you know, thanks to you, no problem. And, and the black pylon, I'm I'm going to give to Caligula just for helping the world up. Okay, we will have to edit that F word. Oh. A couple F bombs by GM tonight. Jeez, Jay, I think he's taking he's taking you over, buddy. Taking my spot. He's taking my spot. <laughs> Not really. Yeah. yeah. We're a good team, Jay. <laughs> getting a, getting yeah. 
I feel a little hurt. Oh, oh man. <laughs> any, any, any passing thoughts before we bid everybody a fond adieu? <laughs> yeah, got something to say. <laughs> I got nothing to say. I'm all out. You're all out. Okay. Is that maybe that'll be the next song for you? I got nothing to I'm say. I'm all out. That almost sounds that if I ever wrote a song called I'm All Out, I'm pretty sure people would take it the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bet. Okay. So everybody have a great week and we are out. Last song is Fist and a great ballad. One more time. Take it from alive. Lying in bed, I close my eyes and dream I'm getting close to you one more time. Sometimes we just don't see blinded by.
perfect. 